to another edition of Welcome to the Mad Max Minute, where there's no running away from watching Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 35, which begins with Max using acrobatics to stay away from Blaster, and it ends with Blaster incapacitated by Max's whistle. Here to dance with the devil in the pale moonlight are our guests for this week, Niall McGowan and John Parker from the Bat Minute 89 podcast. Oh, hello. <laughs> Yes, hello. The dynamic duo is here to ruin Mad Max for all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crossover, Batman. <laughs> yeah, that's not to dance with the, the devil, at least to do weird acrobatics, flinging around some sort of giant dome structure with the devil in the pale moonlight. <laughs> Are you equating Max to Robin? <laughs> I do know that was, you know, we talked about way back when, apparently Mel Gibson was, he was up for Batman. He was in consideration to play that part for... That would be terrible. Uh, that would be really? the worst I, I, I think, I think Mel could have put that, pulled that off. Like, that, you know. What? You've lost your mind now. <laughs> so in competition with who, what Batman actually got it? Oh, it was Michael Keaton got it, but like it was, oh, you know, there, was okay. a, there was a bunch of names up, you know, there's a lot of them, th- these are lists in IMDB, which are kind of like, is that, but this, this, this mm. like some guy just had his name written down at one point in production and they never even asked, asked them, but somehow it's made it to IMDB. It's like, they were in consideration for Batman. Right. But yeah, right. Mel, Mel Gibson was, was up there, but I think he could have, I think he's a, the, the right look and I yeah, know he's like, we think of him as kind of like, you know, crazy. Mel Gibson, like in terms of like you know rigs and stuff like that, but I think he could have he easily could have pulled off Batman yeah. pretty well. Yeah, I think by 1989, Mel Gibson had been back in the states for long enough that his accent was becoming much more Americanized. Mm. But if they mm. had tried to grab Mel Gibson in like the early 80s, I don't think I could deal with an Australian-sounding Batman. <laughs> that would be such a different movie. Oh my god. What would be the difference between Batman now? Like an American Batman versus an Australian Batman. Mm. What's the difference? The character can't be Australian. It doesn't work. It doesn't it, it just it doesn't fit it's anything it about being it. Australian. Oh, no. like, oh, came all, my parents came all the way over to visit Gotham this one time and they got bloody shot here <laughs> and now <laughs> <laughs> I do like the visual of Batman sitting perched atop the Sydney Opera House. Oh, yeah. Or Batman with his regular bat cowl with a little bat ear sticking out, but it's got a wide brim around the top of his cowl, and it's got the little corks hanging down. (laughs) Oh, yes. His batarangs are just regular (laughs) boomerangs. Oh, there you go. He's got batarangs. He's basically halfway to being Australian anyway. Yeah. Mel's not dead yet. Get him on the phone. Come on. Mel, we can can do it. We can make it, man. The Batmobile isn't so sleek and fast. It's just a beat up, you know, ute pickup truck. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you busted have to be a yeah. <laughs> like, you, you know, they always do um, yeah, comics set in alternate universes and things. What about a Batman set in the Mad Max universe? Like, so he's driving cars like you get in, in like the new Mad Max and things <laughs> like that. I was going to. So the Batmobile is like a, a shoddy ramshackle death machine. <laughs> Oh, you could put a post-apocalyptic Batman in the ruins of Sydney. Oh, 
<laughs> we've we've, we've yeah. solved it. You take the gothic architecture of Gotham from like the Tim Burton movies, and you swap it out for just the decrepit, broken down concrete structures, and he's swinging around, beating up mm. raiders. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> I'm just work. stuck though with the make it so the mental image though of like Robin been there and been like, oh Batman, the Joker sold in the world's biggest didgeridoo, and Batman just been like, it's the truth, <laughs> <laughs> just. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, Mad Max. So we'll have, like, let's take a little break from stereotyping the entire nation of Australia and talk about Mad Max for a minute. <laughs> Heaven forbid we let the English mess around with the Australian continent any longer. Ooh. Hey, you're talking to an Irishman here as well. Like, I, I don't want anything to do with that either. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh... <laughs> My country is responsible for a lot of problems with all of you. <laughs> Just sticky fingers all over the place. <laughs> this minute starts off with an interesting set of acrobatic maneuvers because after Blaster flings Max away using the handle of this bladed weapon, this guandao, as I've come to refer to it occasionally, Blaster starts his lower the weapon and charge maneuver yet again. <laughs> And because it worked so well the first time, the only thing that changes is that he doesn't stab someone every time he gets to the end of a run. Max is still doing the same bungee jump backflip maneuver back and forth, and he does it four times in total. <laughs> this drives me crazy. It's just poor showmanship to do the same maneuver over and over and over again. Max isn't even showboating, no, he's surviving. <laughs> Because I thought it had a whole, like, WWE kind yeah. of vibe to this. You know, the, the Thunderdome yeah. in general, it's very wrestling, isn't it? So mm-hmm. he should he should have learned a thing or two from wrestling. Yeah, uh, showboat a little. You don't want to do the same thing over and over. You know, mix it up. <laughs> yeah, do a front flip one time, back flip another. Maybe as you're flying through the air, wave to some people. Oh, yes. You know. Oh, they would have loved that. That'd be amazing, though, like, of, of Max just turned, like, he turned into the heel. He's just like, hey... They're just going to the crowd like, hey, I hear Barter Town sucks. Get <laughs> 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 <Cooking> a blaster. <laughs> and you'd think that the crowd would start to turn against him being unimaginative and doing the same maneuver over and over again, but they don't. They nope. like it. As he's mm. flying through the air, they're going like, whoa. Ooh. Like yeah. they're egging yeah. him on. I, th- I think it might just yeah. be like, again... Maybe the, the, they're so used to seeing Blaster win so easily. At this point, just to see any, any kind of resistance put up is just like, holy crap, this is amazing. That's like the people who are literally starved for some new content. And now they've been given like a dribble like, oh, here's this guy can jump around and do backflips in the air. And he's not getting killed within 15 seconds. So they're just like, holy crap, oh, maybe he'll win. Like It's like the unexpected is finally happening. Yeah, yeah, that's got to be that. It's got to be. Like, he must normally win in the first move you know like an old samurai movie where they win in one slash of the sword you know, mm. he must normally just do that just run stab mm. end of the fight <laughs> i will say though that um like you mentioned wrestling john but uh, as i always <laughs> <Yes>. do <laughs> uh but this really reminded me i'm fairly certain this was uh, ripped off and at least the uk version of gladiators like the tv show gladiators because they had yes. i know weirdly enough in america the show your show came first but it was called american gladiators and then the uk just called it gladiators which made it sound as if we're the original and the american one is like the spin-off okay <laughs> well it's actually the other way around oh no but uh they had an event in that called catapults 
which was these people inside, like a, you know, they were just in the arena, but they're on big bungee things. Oh, and yeah. they had to they'd bounce around, do kind of little acrobatics to go and reach up for a thing, like much like, you know, Max and Blaster were reaching for the weapons. So I'm fairly certain that, like, there probably was a producer on the show who was just like, that's a pretty good idea for, like, maybe we could swipe that for the show. And then, like, a couple of, like, six years later, or whatever it was, Gladiators was finally made. They're like, eh, no, it's not called Thunderdome, it's called, uh, Catapults, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what a great name. But the... It did lead me down like a little, like a, a coincidental everything's connected wormhole because, you know, that's, that's the way I usually go. But like thinking about Gladiators brought me back to when I was in university because I saw Gladiators quite recently in terms of like within, you know, the last 15 years, which isn't that recent actually. But that's not recent. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Back when, like, I was in, like, the maybe second or third year of university, we used to stay up when we, me and my friends lived in a house together. We'd stay up to about 2 a.m. to watch repeats of Gladiators because it was just, you know, oh, you'd, you'd sit around, you'd, you'd drink tea, you smoke weed, you watch Gladiators all night. It's great. But uh, we got really involved in uh, like one of the championships where there was a woman who was, like, really, really trouncing, much like Max is. Like, he, like, we were really supporting this one woman called Eunice Hutthart, who was, like, amazing. Oh, I remember this person. Yeah, That's yeah, because really I think weird. she, um, like, at the time, we had a whole vow. It was like, no one looks up, no one look up if she wins. We want to tune in every night to see what happens next. <laughs> and, uh, but, yeah, she did win, and she actually became one of the gladiators. They brought her back as Blaze. But then from, you know, looking into the Eunice yeah. Hutthart saga, like, this week, I was like, oh, I wonder what else she did. And then she went on to do a lot of stunt work, and then... One of the things she did stunt work for was the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider movie, which if you've seen that, you'll recall there's another kind of weird bun- indoor bungee cord gymnastic jumping about gunfight in that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, it's like, oh, it's all kind of weirdly interconnected. Like it could have all arguably be traced back to this scene, really. <laughs> nice. That's some nice digging. So that, that, that's, a, that's you know, theoretical. But it's like, yeah, may, maybe that's an everything's connected, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I subscribe mm. to your theory. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So at the end of this jumping around, Max is finally able to jump up and just grab onto the edge of the cage and just kind of hang there out of reach of Blaster, who is down on the ground impotently swinging at him. Yeah, so Rick, I know you're familiar with the Mandela effect. Mm-hmm. Are you guys at all familiar with the this yeah, idea? Yeah, the the you know the what you call him Sinbad was in a genie movie called Shazam thing. All exactly. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have a small Mandela effect experience with Max hanging from the top of the dome. Mm-hmm. I could have sworn up and down that the spectators were pulling his fingers off mm. the bars. <laughs> Forcing him to yeah. fall. So when I was looking, at, when I was researching for this minute, they didn't. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> ah, that sounds like something that would be in it. Is that like maybe a deleted scene or something? Well, it goes back to that whole thing. You're not allowed to mess with the dome. Like if you're not allowed to pull a glaive out of someone, you're not allowed to pry to fingers. To pry their fingers. Yeah. Okay. It makes sense. But I could have sworn that they made him fall. It kind of reminded me, like, I, I actually have a, a, a note saying, like, yeah, it's weird that they don't try to push him back in. Because you think that's what you'd do. Like in Return of the Jedi, when Luke, get, he's almost out of the Rancor pit and he's at that little 
is at the kind of cage door, and the guy's there pushing him back in. So you'd assume it's like, no, you get you stay in there, damn it. That's what you're supposed to do. But uh, yeah, yeah, but it does seem very. It could be that the, you know, there's no rules inside Thunderdome, but there's you know there's a bit of basic you know manners and decency outside the Thunderdome where you don't interfere with the gameplay and you don't push people back in. Mm. You don't take in weapons hanging out of your best mate's chest. Out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And to Max's credit, he doesn't hang out up there for very long. No. Only a second or two. I think he starts the shot hanging from the dome right around second 19, and he lets go five Mm. seconds later. Yeah. It's long enough for us to look down at Blaster swinging around, and then Max lets go and swings just right over (laughs) Blaster's head. Right. It's long enough for Max to wait for a strategic moment to jump back down. Mm Mm-hmm. What also reminded me of, though, just the shot of him hanging was the wrestling scene in the first Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah, we talked Macho about man. that one a lot. <laughs> but I can't imagine, that. like, this would be, like, the, there is a whole period where, like, Peter Parker is just, like, hanging at the top. Just like, I'm not going down there. And it's, like, the whole, you know. <laughs> and it just got me thinking, like, how much better, you know, Beyond Thunderdome would be if, like, Master Blaster was played by Macho Man Randy Savage. I'm not talking. Oh, <laughs> not talking just Blaster. Every movie's improved, but not just Blaster. But it has to be like Macho Man is Blaster, but he's also a smaller Macho Man that they've somehow placed on top of him, and he's also Master as well. So it's just like two Macho yes. Macho Men for the price of one. <laughs> oh yeah, Randy Savage. The king. His career as a wrestler was still in the quote-unquote early stages around 1985. Mm. Like, from 1973 to 1985, those are classified as his early years. And then he joined the WWF, the World Wrestling Federation, not the World Wildlife Fund. (laughs) They maybe joined them as well. We can't be sure. That was around 1985. So as he was making that transition, he definitely could have been scooped up for the production. (laughs) What could have been? It's a lost opportunity, I guess. I think so, yeah. So many opportunities, though, just be like, Hey, mullet boy, you're going nowhere. I got you in the Thunderdome, son. I could just see Max hanging from the top of that dome be like, that's a nice helmet you got there. Did your husband make it for you? <laughs> no. That's a joke from Spider-Man that I don't believe no, has no. aged well. <laughs> no, no. You couldn't put that in a new Spider-Man, could you? Probably <laughs> not. He, I'm still, I just want like some sort of like a miniature macho man on top of just playing master as well. Just be like, who runs Barter Town? <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, now I'm sad that we don't also have Macho Man in Batman <laughs> somehow as a villain. He could have played Mr. Freeze instead of Arnold. He could have played any character. I would have been happy. <laughs> could have played Catwoman. <laughs> I was like, yeah, go, yeah I'm, I'm in. 100%. Oh, yes. I would have paid anything for that. How is Macho Man Randy Savage's Spanish accent? Because they could have brought him in to play Bane. <laughs> Whatever the hell Bane does in the, uh, he... in the Nolan ones yeah. as well. He could uh, just do any old oh, voice that he wants. He could have been... Because I don't think like the, the Batman Robin Bane speaks at all. So he could have... It doesn't even matter what accent he had. I think he says his name a lot. He yeah, does he a says lot his of name and he yeah. groans. Grunting, yeah. Yeah, he's quite a blaster yeah. type character. But then yeah, Macho yeah. Man could have been great. That would just Bane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> and then the older reviews would be like, this is one of the worst films ever made. Brackets, except for all the scenes of Macho Man and Savage as Bane, which are, of course, fantastic. Right. <laughs> he wins an Oscar for the. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I think the grunting in this scene is a bit like the Bane grunting because it's so over the top and cartoony. Like, I love mm. this scene, but I'm not too sure about this weird grunting that's going on from, yeah. uh, from Blaster there. I do appreciate that every time he takes a swipe up at Max, it's like a... <laughs> 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 as if he's really mm. trying yeah when he clearly like visually he's not really trying that hard <laughs> i think right. we should yeah. mention as well because there probably would be some listener out there going why aren't you you guys are talking about bane so much and you've not mentioned that tom hardy plays bane and he also plays mad max we've mentioned it there you go so just so that that is scratched <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was wondering how Macho Man Randy Savage would sound as that version oh, of Bane. Be like, "Ooh, yeah, I was born." No, see, I can't. I can't even do it. I can't even do it. That was good. I can do the "Ooh, yeah," but then it kind of falls apart after that. You just need to start talking about Slim Jims and stuff. It'll be fine. It'll come back to you. <laughs> like, Batman, I'm gonna snap you like a Slim Jim. There you go. Snap into oh, a there you go. Perfect. Oh, that's your product oh, placement yes. tie-in right there as well. There we go. The special <laughs> shout-out to the Dark Knight minute. They're going to get to that movie eventually. I think I had, like, when I was on with them, I was like, can I just, can I call every minute with Bane? Because I just, I just want to do, just so I can just do an impression the whole time. I won't even talk about what's happening in the minute, so I'll just come in and go, <laughs> yeah, sir, you came to die with your city. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way that's become his thing now because of course you know in Mad Max he kind of just grunts and stuff but then in uh, in Dunkirk he's got a mask on and he's mm. largely unintelligible again just going burp, burp. What with Mad Max though it's kind of like they, they might have been should we get him to do the Australian accent like Mel or did he do like a, just a, an English one and then it's like it's Tom Hardy no one's going to understand what accent he's doing anyway so it doesn't matter <laughs> right, what I'm telling yeah. him to do right <laughs> I think that's why Tom Hardy is such a good Mad Max is because he's a good actor without yep. speaking much. He's got very yeah. expressive eyes. Mm. He, he does. He does. Are you guys doing that movie? Oh, oh yeah. Eventually. Oh yeah. We'll do oh, okay. it. Okay. So you might you might want to cut this out. Then that's fine. I just I wanted to yeah. say <laughs> save it. <laughs> well, I'll say it to you as like a, a personal thing. I guess some people criticize that movie. They're like, oh, he's not a very likable character. He doesn't talk too much. Other than this Mad Max that we're doing now, when does Max really talk a lot? The second yeah. one, he barely says anything. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to say. Max doesn't talk, except no. this one where he talks all the time, yeah. and it's weird. Yeah, he talks the weird so one. much in this in this movie. Yeah, I like the Max in this movie, but I will freely admit that it is weird how much he talks, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. especially after the second movie, which is possibly the least lines by a main character I have yeah. ever witnessed. Mm -hmm. Up until yeah. Fury Road, arguably. Then it's like, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, where were we? Oh, yeah. Uh, Max <laughs> lets go of the edge of the dome. He glides back down to the ground, and he flings himself once again over Blaster's head, and he gets his hands on the handle to a giant mallet, a <gasps> giant silver hammer. It's very yeah. Harley Quinn-esque. Yes. Pulls it off the bracket, and he starts, ugh, just the ungraceful descent back yeah. down to the ground, because this thing has thrown him completely <laughs> off balance. <laughs> Yeah, now it appears that the head of the mallet is quite heavy. Mm -hmm. The way he handles it here and then the way he handles it next minute looks like it's very, very heavy. It also looks like he's using the mallet to slow himself down. Like letting it drag on the ground on Yeah, purpose. like you do on a swing set. Like you mm. drag your feet to slow yourself down on a swing set. Uh. 
Unless your parents are watching and they say, don't do that, you'll ruin your shoes. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> See, I, I, I kind of got the vibe, though, that he was he was going to attempt to swing. He was going to like, I want to swing into him with the with the hammer. But he had just he just messed up because he didn't realize how much it weighed. So, like, yeah. He miscalculated the weight. Yeah. They, like, Probably, you, you, you yeah. guys have much more faith in Max has been like, oh, he knows what he's doing. But I'm like, I think he's just scrambling for anything. Like, he was like, oh, get the sledgehammer. Oh, I'm going to swing in and knock his block off. Oh, crap. It's really, really heavy. I didn't anticipate this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at the thing. Of course it's heavy. It's a comedy cartoon hammer. Like, what the hell? If you want to tie it into wrestling again, it's like Triple H. He attacks people with a stupid comedy sledgehammer. It's not quite this ridiculous, <laughs> but still. You know, if you if you pick that up, you know it's going to be heavy. If you hit someone with that, you think they're going to mm. die, surely. Now, remind me when Tweedledum and Tweedledummer held up the hammer to display it and then passed it up the side of the Thunderdome for it to be placed... It did not look heavy. That's the thing, though. <laughs> we never actually see them lift up the hammer. We see the hammer in the wagon, and then we see the hammer getting passed up the side. When they're holding up those weapons, they're both long-bladed weapons. So we don't see them hold up the hammer. Right. We only see the people on the side of the dome passing it up, like, person to person. We never actually get to see them try to mm. heft it and pass it along. Okay. Mm. That's clever. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this position that Max has found himself in, sort of parallel to the ground, his back to blaster it's not what i would call an advantageous position and you could very well argue <laughs> that if blaster was looking to end this fight quickly that he could just stab down at max and just end him right there like pretty much cutting him in two but instead blaster decides to return the favor that max did to him and just cut his bungees i like that though because do you think he maybe wants a fair fight like he, he enjoys the competition maybe I, I would think that that probably is what it is like you know not to spoil what what's revealed about blaster in the next minute is that but you know i think he is more like I think you even said it last minute, John. Like, this is his playtime. Like, he's here just for... This is fun mm -hmm. to him. Mm -hmm. So he's, like, he is literally, like, trying to... I imagine all other... Potentially all other defeats in the Thunderdome have kind of spoiled things for Blaster. Like, every time he, he plays a little too rough with someone, and then they're dead, and he's just kind of like, oh, oh, it's over now. And then he's he'd probably be a bit like, okay, we'll back to work. Mm -hmm. Yep. So the, the, this one is a bit like, no, he's probably trying to, you know, he, he, he wants this to go on for as long as it possibly can, potentially. Yeah, he's prolonging the fight because he's actually having a good time fighting yeah, Max because yeah. Max is actually mm. giving him a challenge. <laughs> so Max flops to the ground rather unceremoniously, but after hitting the dirt, he catches sight of something glinting in the light and laying right in front of him. Because Max is inhumanely lucky. He's kind of like the Domino <laughs> character, if you want to take X-Men stuff and port it over into Mad Max. That's a character as of recording. People will be like, who's Domino? But by the time this airs, everyone's going to know who Domino is. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. But he's looking square at the boson's whistle that he brought into the Thunderdome. It's just a shame he doesn't have the time to actually pick it up, because before he can let go of the hammer and grab the whistle, he's got to flip over onto his back and defend himself because Blaster is there swinging at him again. So Blaster is rather frustrated by having his attack blocked. So he reaches down, grabs the mallet by the handle and just lifts. And Max, not wanting to let go of the mallet just yet, is brought up along with the mallet. And then as Blaster swings him around, Max is flung 
yet again. Mm. Max has been flung so many times in this fight. Yeah. Plus, see, there's, there's two near misses there, like because he, he bangs his head into the cage, mm-hmm. and the, so that, that, that's one's pretty bad. And then as Blaster brings down the sledgehammer, it lands on like one of the, the kind of rungs, I guess you would call it, or like it lands on the metal of the cage. And that's that seems like that's another potential like injury for an audience member if you had your fingers up there and all of a sudden the sledgehammer yeah. just lands on them. It's like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> oh. That would cut your fingers clear off. Yeah, that's, oh. the, that's, that's the oh, risk of going to watch horrible. the Thunderdome, I guess. Mm. Well, I, I accidentally slammed a metal door on my finger, <laughs> and that, that was horrific. It took like half the, oh. the bottom of oh, my finger dear. off <laughs> to go and get it stuck back <laughs> off. But uh, so that was bad enough. Imagine that that bloody <laughs> hammer. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah, <laughs> this reminds me of like the, the the one scene like I still can't quite believe that it happens in um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is when like Michelle Monaghan slams that door in Robert Downey Jr.'s fingers, and it's Ooh. like I remember the first time I watched it, you yeah. like, my fingers are off, <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah. is, this a, is this a joke? And then you find out like, no, she actually took his oh. fingers off. I was like, oh my god, it's horrible. <laughs> Yeah. But he's so oh, kind of like glib- he's so Robert Downey Jr. about it. Whereas that was me who'd just be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> just incoherent screaming. Yeah. I mean, the guy twisted my foot a couple of weeks back. I'm still having it was the most minor injury ever, and I'm still having flashbacks about it. I'm like, oh man, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. So Blaster has now begun playing Whack a Max. <laughs> unsuccessfully so far I wish that was an actual game you could go and play who, who wants a mole just have Mel Gibson's <laughs> face coming out of it that's like a, that's your your question from last minute John did they make a computer game of this no they poured all their money into an arcade game called Whack-A-Max which is basically <laughs> to replace all the moles in Whack-A-Mole they just put little mullets on them, and they're like, yeah, it's Mel Gibson now. Oh, there you go. What more do you want? So Max scurries away like a mole, and he goes for the whistle, but he's unable to grab it on the second pass because Blaster is right up on his tail. But Max knows how to tactical roll. He's like a guy who plays Dark Souls a lot. He rolls out of the way of the hammer, and he's able to finally get his hands on the whistle. And I mentioned earlier that he's lucky for finding it again. He's also incredibly lucky that the whistle hadn't been stepped on, bent, broken, kicked outside of the dome. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there are a lot of instances here where that whistle could be completely inoperable. How how has it survived? I I genuinely don't understand this. That thing should have been at least dented in, or bent into like like it should have been stepped on or something. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Be, you know, I don't think it's 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 that crazy because like I've lost a lot of things that should have should have been broken and somehow have turned out okay. So I'm like oh, I've, I've been through this. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, it surviving does give us the amazing amazing part of the scene where he uses it yeah. almost like mm-hmm. a dog whistle. <laughs> <laughs> just goes right through his, his skull. Turns out that's that's Blaster's Achilles heel, apparently, is is this shrieking whistle business. Yep, he's able to roll out of the way of the mallet, grab the whistle, roll again, and then he goes into this, like, superhero crouch. Yeah. <laughs> and he brings the whistle up to his mouth, and he starts blowing. And Blaster, <laughs> who was rearing up to swing, just ready to bring it down, has this freeze moment where he lurches, and he lets go of the mallet and just starts writhing around. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, for some reason with me with I was trying to like oh this is a thing I've seen done before like a, a, an enemy felled by the pi- piercing sounds and stuff and for some reason my mind immediately went to Mars attacks of when they play that <laughs> really terrible I can't remember, who was it like the yodeling music yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's not like it's not like Hank Williams or someone but it's like yeah like, 
And like, yeah, all their heads explode. And I'm like, is that, that can't be the only thing it's in. <laughs> it's like Tim Burton years later was like, I want the, how, how am I going to end this movie? And he watched this one scene. He's like, that's it. That's how, that's how they defeat the Martians. <laughs> As Blaster is grabbing the side of his helmet and wailing, Master, who is sitting up in the box, he suddenly looks really concerned. Mm. Because he's probably remembering the fact that they were just down in Underworld and had this same exact situation happen. So Master might be realizing that his chickens are coming home to roost, so to speak. I know you guys, you might have mentioned it, you know, just when the character is introduced. But, you know, Master Blaster is, is, a, is also a Stevie Wonder song. And I, mm-hmm. I always wonder, is like... It's, are Master's sunglasses, are they like a little nod to Stevie Wonder? Because like, why is, why is he wearing sunglasses? Like, it's just like, you know, he's out in the blazing... Well, it's, but one thing is like, he's, you know, in the uh, the underground of Bartertown. It isn't exactly, you know, bright. <laughs> so right. it's, it's kind of like, well, why is he wearing sunglasses then? Is it like a blue? <laughs> like, I can thing? understand him wearing sunglasses during the day to adjust for the brightness of the sun, but it's at night. Yeah, yeah, so it's... So uh, it looks yeah. cool. Yeah, well, yeah, I think that is the answer that it looks cool. <laughs> it's also possible <laughs> that his sunglasses are polarized. Mm. So it helps reduce the glare yeah. of the harsh lights that are down in Underworld. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, that would really help. Or Master and Blaster could be two members of a ZZ Top cover band. <laughs> oh, post-apocalyptic then who's the third member that's great that's like they've been trying to get auntie to join for ages and she's just she's the only holdout (laughs) (laughs) or or maybe that's what the thunderdome's for the winner gains a contract and joins that's why master's so excited he's like oh my god could this be the third members finally we finally found him (laughs) finally (laughs) either that or master is secretly a Corey hart fan Mm. Because Corey Hart sings yes. sunglasses at night. Yeah. So, or it could, could be... Yes. Inspiring many of us to try doing it <laughs> It could it be once, like, the only VHS he owns in the post-apocalypse is like the Blues Brothers as well. And he's, right. And he's just like, Blaster, me and you, we're, we're mm. like these guys. We're super cool, like the Blues Brothers. So like, yeah, they just, Yo, it's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. And they're on a mission from God. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's 106 miles to Chicago. They have a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark and they're wearing oh, sunglasses. That's why they needed Max's vehicle. Full tank of gas. That'd be great, though. Max. The scene was just like, the, you know, who who runs Bartertown? And Auntie's just like, Master runs Bartertown. He's like, no, God that runs all. Okay. <laughs> just, Master Blaster finds Jesus be quite a and the different whole scene. thing changes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a, a modern Mel Gibson Mad Max movie. <laughs> <laughs> so after we get to see Master react, we get to see Auntie lean forward and she's very intrigued by this new development. The tone of the crowd, as I'm listening to the people around Auntie, they seem to have a shift here and they actually sound a little upset. And I got to wonder, are they more upset by Blaster dropping the hammer or are they upset by Max pulling out this secret weapon. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I thought it was the secret weapon thing. I thought it, because that that wasn't part of the, the setup of the Thunderdome, that, mm. yeah, that is almost cheating. Like, we spoke about un, unspoken yeah. rules in the in the previous minute. That does kind of make maybe sense, though. Like, we, we seem to have established that this is a very weirdly mannerly crowd in that they, oh, no, they respect the rules of the Thunderdome. So, yeah, bringing in outside material, like, no, no, no. Disqualified. John, you just made Julia's day. I am so pleased to hear someone else say the word cheating because Max is such a cheater. <laughs> he is. I mean, fair enough. He's fighting for his life, but he's yes. cheating at the same time. <laughs> yeah. 
I will give him that you're right. He's fighting for his life and he'll use whatever means possible. But he is voluntarily fighting for his life. He did true, this voluntarily. True. So an argument that Rick often uses against me and my view that Max is cheating is that Dr. Dealgood <laughs> says, I know you won't break the rules because there aren't any. So according to that line, Max is not breaking any rules. Technically. Technically. By the not. letter of but, the yeah, law, no, he's a... not breaking any rules. I mean... By the spirit <laughs> of the law, he is breaking so many. And you're right. The crowd does not yeah, like it. Yeah. They're very much into the spirit of the law so that they can have a good time. And they don't like this. Yeah, that guy's like, he's not breaking the rules within Thunderdome, but he's breaking the rule of outside Thunderdome, which is don't bring in outside weapons into right. Thunderdome. So the, yeah. by that, yeah, there you go. He is like, oh, it's like, oh, you know, there's no rules in there. We've got yeah. quite a few rules out here. Okay, so just go through. Here's this, just click, click uh, accept at the bottom. Yep, there you go. You don't have to read the whole thing. It's, it's, really, okay. it's like a gentleman's agreement. Anyway, isn't it? You know, it's an understanding. I do. I would that, love to see. Know, an we'll al- go in there and do it. But you know, yeah, I would love to see an alternate cut though, where he grabs the whistle and then he just goes, "No, actually, this is cheating. I'm gonna put that aside." Oh, and, then and then he just like, and then as he's gently putting it aside, blaster cracks his head. <laughs> that's oh, the end of the movie. <laughs> No, yeah, that's beyond a short Thunder movie. Dome is like thirty-six the minutes, thirty-seven beyond. minutes. Right. <laughs> Max shows up at King's Cross Station, and Dumbledore is there for some reason. <laughs> Who are you? I've never met you before. Ah, uh, Fifi would be there. Right. <laughs> and Goose. <laughs> oh, just like Bruce Spence, and it's just like, are you the same Bruce Spence I meant <laughs> right. in the last movie, or are you a different guy? <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> Gosh. Oh. Can, can I just mention as well how amazing Tina Turner looks? Yes. Because <laughs> this shot of her as well, are, are these earrings? What am I looking at? We think that they're not <laughs> hanging from her ears, that they're hanging from her headband, but they function as earrings. Decorative items on either side of your head. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm. I, this needs to become a look. Does it though? Does it though? That's good. Well, it's kind of like <laughs> yes, it's like the it's, a... it's the um, evolution of the Princess Leia look. It's like oh, you have that, and then you just slide them down a little bit. Mm. That's a whole new look right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you can make them at home. Versatile. Just reappropriate yeah. some slinkies. There you go. You're done. There you go. <laughs> Not so buttoned up as Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is chilled out. This is relaxed. Casual Tina. One big thing that I like about this shot of Auntie is how she's leaning forward with intent, noticing, oh, hey, Blaster is getting debilitated by this high-pitched squealing noise. I might need to file that away in the old memory banks where if Max gets his head bashed in during this fight, if he dies, she now has a way to torment Blaster. Oh, yeah, that's true. That she didn't have Ah, before. Yeah, Yeah, maybe, perhaps, if she had had this whistle and knew this trick all along, she would have been able to use it to keep Master Blaster in their place. Right. Ah, that's a great, yeah. I'd never, ever considered that. But that seems to be what she's thinking. And nobody would have had to die. Mm. Yes, that is very true. (laughs) Plus, I know you could have avoided that whole storyline with the kids, and we could have had a better movie. Really? Yeah. We could have had an entirely different movie where the story doesn't revolve around Max having to make a deal with Auntie. It's just Max going through Barter Town, shaking down people on his way to (laughs) eventually finding Jedediah the pilot and forcing him to undo the trades that he made. 
it would be kind of like a uh, like a follow the clues style mystery adventure where yes. each lead mm-hmm. and he would have had to meet else. an ally along the way mm-hmm. and he still would have ended up in Thunderdome with Jedediah right because <laughs> you have to go to the Thunderdome <laughs> well that's the the whole reason for this film basically just for this scene <laughs> oh, the, unless he just called it like Mad Max around Thunderdome and it was just him pot- it's always yeah. just not going into it just like oh yeah he's yeah. in the neighborhood of Thunderdome yeah just like you know near Thunderdome <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. You just see it in the background <laughs> scenes. You don't yeah. actually get to see the Thunderdome. It's just sort of there, just just in the background. Auntie's constantly talking about like, do you want to go watch the Thunderdome someday? It's pretty cool in there. No, no, I'm pretty busy. <laughs> and then, <laughs> okay. I don't know if you could actually have Max fight Jedediah because as we mentioned earlier in the podcast that Jedediah's got Jedediah Jr. And you don't want Max to make an orphan out of someone. So in the process of him going around Bartertown, shaking people down, he could get into a fight with someone and they drag him into the Thunderdome. So that way later on in this fictional story, we're just spitballing. When he finds Jedediah, he can be like, listen, I already took someone out in the Thunderdome. You don't want to be the next person I take out Ah, because we don't want to make orphans that makes us too sad that brings us too close to the second half of this movie first of all (laughs) um i'm okay with him making an orphan of jedediah jr because jedediah jr can fly planes and set up traps oh well and he can sustain himself just fine you got to be careful because jedediah is kind of like the Django fett of this movie and jedediah jr would therefore become the boba fett uh so he would be just fine (laughs) he would actually make no difference to the movie whatsoever (laughs) and be strangely beloved okay that's a good point be completely useless in almost every scene as well Uh, but he would look really cool he doesn't even do much in empire the only thing he actually did to change the course or participate in the storyline whatsoever is transport han solo from cloud city to Jabba's Palace. Jabba's Palace. Anybody yeah, could have done that. Anyone could have Boba Fett is the coolest <laughs> FedEx guy ever. I, I, I always defend him though, because he was Boba <laughs> Fett's the only one who thought like when the Falcons attached to the back of the Star Destroyer, and then the trash comes out, and Boba Fett ships in there, he was the only one who recognized like they're probably just stuck to the back of the ship, and this is how I'm going to catch them. That's that's his one oh, yeah. little bit of like, hey, I did that, huh? <laughs> it's and one moment. Are you saying in the prequels you don't <laughs> love Boba Fett? <laughs> uh, like, and then dad, get an episode of Clone Wars, they they brought him back, and he was like a bratty kid. And it's like, did you people not learn anything from the prequels? Ah. What are you doing? <laughs> I do love the concept ah. that Boba Fett is a clone. He is bred to be a specific sort of way, and I find that fascinating. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Let's Especially not, since we like never really learn anything about him in the original trilogy. Let's not lose our heads talking about Django no. Fett because we're getting <laughs> and we're weirdly getting right enough, off. Oh. in the next minute, there's a very Django Fett scene kind of coming up. As oh well, my goodness! So. <laughs> that makes no, me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> no. We will have plenty of time to talk about that on Friday. We're going to yeah. put a pin in this because next time around, we are going to see Max taking full advantage of Blaster's debilitated state only to unmask his opponent and hesitate at what could possibly be described as the worst possible moment. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. 
Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. And our outro music is We Don't Need Another Hero by MilitiaVox of MilitiaVox.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute, and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com where you can check out our Tee Public storefront by clicking the store link join our Patreon by clicking the support link, or make a one-time donation by clicking the donate link. Thank you for joining us for Minute 35 of Beyond Thunderdome. We'll see you next time. Everybody!